Hey, it's you. So, um, my name is Asia, obviously, and I just really wanted to start doing this. Um, I don't know if I'm going to show this to people or if I'm just going to do this for me because, you know, there's really nothing wrong with needing to talk to yourself. And I feel like that's really a stigma in like our society today that like you, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. But I feel like there's such like a different kind of clarity that comes from being able to talk yourself through something. And I just feel like we should be more accommodating for that because it helps me for real to be able to like talk through things. And also sometimes I just want to hear my voice and I think that should be fine. Okay. And so at work, I have been predominantly reading this book, Sexual Citizens, um, Sex, Power, and Assault on Campus by Jennifer S. Um, Hirsch and Shamu, Shamu Khan. So sorry, I don't know how to speak. And it's a really, really interesting book. So if you don't know, my um, thesis topic would be on porn and sexual scripts and how media sort of create sexual scripts, especially in the lack of um, sex education just due to people not really talking to children about sex or guiding people through like what to expect from sex the basis of the study is basically that they are talking to um anybody specifically from the columbia university system about our sexual assault if they've been assaulted or if they like had had an experience similar to being um, assaulted and unlike many studies similar to it instead of looking at like how we should be diminishing it they are instead looking at the root of what causes it specifically like um, the lack of how the lack of education around sex leads to misunderstandings about sexual scripts and what the other person in sex wants. And then also just looking at like how gender differences, class differences, how other intersections of sex sort of create these environments in these spaces that allow for assault to happen. So for this book, they were really focusing on three like topics first um the sexual projects they say on page xiv i'm pretty sure that's 14 um in the introduction a sexual project encompasses the reasons why anyone might seek a particular particular sexual interaction or experience so it's basically like the motivation and the reasoning behind anybody's like sexual actions so like in your sexual project may start at any age like when I was younger my sexual project was more just to not date <laughs> I guess but like when I came to college I definitely had a sexual project of I want to lose my virginity I want to hoe out and then I got in a relationship and then my sexual project was I just want to be with this one person and that's sort of what a sexual project is it's sort of just like what you want out of sex 
it's like why you are engaging in t- in this activity. Reference uh, pleasure as an obvious se- sexual project, um, but also like other examples like what I talked about, um, not having sex, wanting to have sex for a certain status, wanting to prove something through your sex. Um, and they even reference like a very particular <laughs> example of a sexual project can also be to have particular kind of experiences like sex in the library stacks, which is so funny because that actually was something that people around me wanted to do. And like, it was just, and that's obviously a sexual project. That's After that, they talked about sexual citizenship, which is what I'm thinking about twisting for the name of this project that I'm now doing, which is social citizen. Um, And basically talking about how we have to acknowledge autonomy when thinking about sexuality and sex, Um, acknowledging ones specifically, they say in, what is that, 16? XVI is 16? I think it's 16, but they specifically acknowledge on page 16 of the introduction that, um, where did it go? Okay. Sexual citizenship denotes the acknowledgement of one's own right to sexual self-determination, and importantly, it recognizes the equivalent right in others. So essentially, recognizing that in this institution of sex or during the activity of like sexual intimacy it is like important to recognize each other as equals and less of as objects which is something that they really do go deep into at least so far from what I've read which I am still only in the first section I'm literally on like actually page 27 because I this is like one of the first times I've read from the um, introduction because usually I just like to go straight into that first chapter but for some reason the introduction really got me this time so I read it and it was actually really really um, helpful because I get to see like how a typical work like this is structured especially since that's what I'm going to be doing next semester and I hope I hope you guys know you're going to hear me saying this a lot I'm going to be doing a thesis next semester. Oh, my thesis. I can't stop talking about it because I don't know how. Anyways, but so they talk about um, sexual citizenship and how because of the lack of discourse, discourse around sex and like education around like a good education about sex and like the wide capacity that sex could mean there is like a lack of cultivating sexual sexual citizenship in like youth so when they are able to become sexual citizens they don't know like how to navigate the space and they don't know how to be an agent in that citizenship and have agency and be able to like experience not explain what is the word be able to um act on that like self or self-autonomy or whatever you guys know what I mean but that one was really interesting oh and then lastly the third pillar that they are basing like their research around or whatever 
oh okay sexual geographies which is a concept that integrates the built environment into our perspective so they're talking literally about how like the space and location that you are in can affect whether or not like how that affects whether or not you are assaulted or assault can happen and I think that's such an interesting concept because so many times like sexual assault is started because you are not in a location that you are used to or you are like trapped essentially but it's also like interesting to think about how inherently like certain things are okay in certain um environments and it sort of changes like uh how oh my god I just like completely being farted but I'm gonna just instead I'm just gonna read this quote that I think is summing up what I'm trying to say which is basically space has a social power that elicits and produces behavior so essentially if you are in a certain space most likely people are gonna act different than if they were in a different kind of space you understand like I act different when I'm at work compared to when I'm like in Dolores Park with my friends. It's not the same me. And so that sort of affects how somebody will act and what they will like allow to happen around them. All of that sort of like looks at also like how somebody's uh, class standing could affect whether or not they are put in the position of having like sexual assault like one of the uh, examples that they used was literally like thinking about if you had come out to go on a date with somebody and you were like in Brooklyn and your place is in like what the Upper East Side and something happens if you have money or if you are from this sort of background where you have the money to go then you can be picked up and whisked away like nothing but if you don't you'll have to go to the train and you'll have to put yourself into these environments that aren't necessarily the safest especially when you have to put in like time and that's just such a reality for women and and other people that like it really affects where we can be at and how long we can be there and so I really liked that they brought in this idea of sexual geographies. And I also really liked the idea of sexual citizenship because I think one of the contributing factors to sexual assault, which they do show throughout this book in their research, is the lack of discuss- discussion and education of sex and like not even just heteronormative sex, but we, we, we need to talk in explain the wide variety of what counts as sex and we need to deconstruct what is sex and specifically I think we also really need to deconstruct virginity especially if we're moving into a non-heteronormative world where people are having sex for the first time with people that aren't the same or the opposite gender as them we need to have these discussions so that way they know how to have safe sex and they know um that certain things aren't normal and shouldn't be said in order for you to have sex or and so that way they aren't taken advantage of as they're navigating um the sexual world and I think we also need to stop thinking that they're not going to do 
like sexual activities at such a young age obviously like I understand the thought process behind if you talk about sex then they're gonna know about sex but let's be honest we were all in public school or at least many of us were in public school and and even if you weren't most of us knew about sex or the idea of it before like middle school or at least in middle school and so if they're going to be having this concept be brought up at that age then they should be able to like truly navigate it before they create this other sort of like conception of what it is and sometimes and most of the time that conception is pretty dangerous and is following what is available to them to teach them about these things that they're seeing after that the introduction is sort of moves into like the history of research around social uh, sexual assault and specifically looking at um, sexual assault on campus culture. And something that was really interesting is that I found out that co-ed stands for co-educational. So like if you were ever on a co-ed soccer team, that co-ed means co-educational because they like literally break down how the first um, school that had both men and women was in 1833 and you can trace back like rape or like sexual assault in um, schools or specifically like campus cultures all the way back to 1833 which is when that first school opened up and I just like I don't know it really (laughs) boggled my mind that co-ed comes from co-educational and like how school is sort of like really ingrained into our society and like all of that but like I was saying about the whole we need to talk about sorry my thing just fell but what when I was talking about needing adequate sex education there was like this one part let me let me look for it sorry y'all are gonna have to hear the pages flipping Oh, yeah. So in 1833, Oberlin College was founded as the first co-educational institution of higher education in the United States. And by the end of the 19th century, around 70% of colleges were co-ed. You know, something that I've noticed is that we try to make things more equal. Like, white cis hetero men really fucked up a lot of stuff but like we try to make things equal but we take the lazy route and that just really ends up making things worse like thinking about how removing segregation sort of created more racist rhetoric or how putting men and women in a co-educational like institution sort of enhanced like campus rape culture it's sort of interesting to think that like when we are taking the steps to correct past wrongs it usually ends up terrible but I think that's also because we're trying or not like not even we it's just like most of the time it's trying to like change it but without actually changing it and so I think that's really but yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I think obviously that's why these systems are so broken is because they aren't actually trying to fix anything. They're just trying to appease the opinions of the public. One of the emphasis that they go through in this book or so far in the introduction is that they really want to look at how our society raises children and organizes like the school and structures so that way or like how those organizations set up the transition from childhood to adulthood and how that like also sets up their sexual projects and whether like you know what I'm saying yeah they really like wanted to focus on how the focus on the fear when it comes to sex like really runs rampant and like when you think about sexual education you really think about that that line from mean girls it really rings true for like sex sex education in America of the if you have sex you will get pregnant and you will die like that's really I, I feel like that's how sex is talked about in America it's really just something that it's like you don't talk about it you don't talk about it with your parents you don't talk about it at school you don't talk about it really with anybody around you but at the same time it's like something that's a part of everything and then when you do have experiences with it like it is so crucial it's crazy when you think about sex education in America it really is just it really is just thinking about abstinence and how if kids don't have sex that's all the answer and we shouldn't teach them about like actual good contraceptives or like broadening even like the sex education past gen heteronormative sex like we are sending we are doing such a disservice to our lgbtq youth by not talking about adequate sex education for them especially because when you think about lgbtq youth most of the time there is a lack of accessibility for them to have sexual citizenship at a young age so they end up going for older people and when you think about it there is such like a huge problem in the lgbtq community of grooming because of this lack of accessibility in at a younger age and so also with the lack of education, we're really doing a disservice to LGBTQ youth and sending them into the world where they can really just be taken advantage of. And I think something that this book also really gets at is like, how is that also normalized sexual assault for um, LGBTQ youth? And how have we also normalized sexual assault for um, POC youth? or just POC in general. Also, like one of my favorite examples is they're talking about how it doesn't make sense to not talk about sex and not teach sex from a young age. Because when you think about it, um, like the example they brought up is learning how to drive. You spend a great deal of time talking with them, teaching them, going through it with them, making sure they know what to do, how to be a good driver, how to be a defensive driver, all of that. But you don't do that with sex, even though it's something that is so intimate, so powerful and such like a big, even if it's not a big deal, like it's still a pretty big deal. So it's sort of how do we expect our children and 
in young people to go out and make correct um, sexual project choices if they haven't been taught what is good sexual like in a, a good sexual experience you should go through what should go down you should go through how to say no you should go through that they have bodily autonomy and self-determination really and i think by not talking about it we're really doing a disservice to our youth because we're not teaching them that they have autonomy and that they can say no and that they can make these decisions and back themselves up in that decision because now they're going out into these experiences and not having that knowledge that they can say no and that they don't have to do these things or maybe this isn't the best place for them to be so I thought that was a really good thing or like a really interesting point also like something that I started thinking of when they were defining um Towards the end of the introduction, they start defining like assault and rape and the differences. But something that I think is really interesting and really important when you start talking about like sociology and sexual sociology specifically is like looking at the concept of sex and really trying to get at and defining that just because sex is such it's becoming such like a broad thing. And especially if you want to talk about virginity too, it's becoming such a broad um, subject. And you really like the definition of what sex is really depends on who you talk to. Because if you talk about it in a heteronormative way, it's very much about penetration or vaginal penetration by a a penis. (laughs) Whereas like, when you start thinking about LGBTQ sex, is it like, do you have to penetrate or is like oral sex enough or is like just genital touching enough? What really, like when you think about it, comes down to it, like what is sex? And I think when you start breaking it down like that, you really have to think about um what then like counts as rape obviously anyways anyways but I think that's such like an interesting idea because then when you start deconstructing the idea of sex you have to like deconstruct ideas that rely on sex sort of like virginity like what counts what is what is your virginity? Like, wh- that is such a social construct. Also, like, why is it such a thing for girls to have a virginity, but guys don't? If you want to think about having your first sexual experience, then why don't guys technically lose their virginities? And also, why is it worded in such a way that, like, it's negative, you know? And I get that, like, it is like that because they want to control women, but I'm just deconstructing in my mind. (laughs) Where I'm at now in the book is that they're going through a few specific like anecdotes of their like research groups, um, like who they researched, some of their experiences with sexual assault. And I think something that's very interesting that I noticed while reading these is how many people don't report their sexual assault 
because they believe that it could have been worse. And I think that's such like an interesting concept because it's like, one, how are you internalizing the sexual assault? And two, like, how are you making it? And I think this is something that society has like caused women to do is believing that if they are sexually assaulted, it is inherently their fault, which that is not the case. And it's such like a dangerous thing that has been spewed out because now if somebody in if people are sexually assaulted they will not most of the time go for help or most of the time they don't even believe that they were actually sexually assaulted until um years later or like if they go to a class specifically about consent like one of the things that they were talking about in the book is how somebody was literally sexually assaulted and then they didn't know until the next day when they were taking a consent class because it was the beginning of college and it's also just like because the concept of sex is so vague when you start thinking about sexual assault versus rape that also like really skews that because there's a lot of stuff like unwanted touching um having being coerced into doing like oral or genital touching stuff and it's just like then how do you I think that really like sort of conflates how people relate if they were sexually assaulted or not and sort of makes it seem like well I don't know if that actually counts because it wasn't ah, da, 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 da. but sorry now I'm thinking of Kiki Palmer <laughs> but yeah so that's something that's very interesting um and then I think lastly oh 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 um talking about how they had a they had brought up a few POVs from um specifically men's students that they interviewed and I think that's also something so I don't want to say interesting because obviously like this is a terrible thing that is happening but like socially like how our society reacts to it it's so interesting and so sad and I just like really wish that it was different but they brought up how for men like specifically this one guy he kept reiterating that he was fine with it like something happened and this girl sort of basically took advantage of the fact that he was blackout drunk and he just remembers waking up with like vaginal secretion on his face and he like vaguely remembers him or like no there was accounts of him being pushed it up to her place by this girl from his friends and he was sort of after the fact he was like I'm fine with it like it's not that big of a deal like it didn't hurt me but I'm just angry at the fact that I can't speak on this because it could open up a bigger can of worms for me and that sort of at first I was like dang that's such a very like male way to look at it but then at the same time like how do we not how are we not there for male sexual assault victims like how how is it that the current way that we see sexual assault makes it so that way men can't report when they've been assaulted or makes it seem that women cannot be assaulters 
And I think that's such like an interesting point to bring up and such an important point because men are assaulted, maybe not as frequently as women, but they are assaulted at a rate similar. Women, as they stated in the book, were are have experienced sexual assaults like one in three women exp- experience sexual assault, whereas one in six men experience sexual assault. And so it's not obviously the same, but it's still pretty close. So how are we doing them a disservice because something that he brought up is that because if he were to bring it up it's it is just as easy for the girl who raped him to turn it around and be like actually no you raped me and like I do sometimes I do have like a little bit of a hesitancy to talk about that just because how are how does that make it harder for women to speak up? But at the same time, it is a real thing that can really affect male sexual assault victims. And how are we, how does this idea in this social construct of what sexual assault looks like, how does that um, become a disadvantage for, uh, for the people that are actually experiencing sexual assault? Like the predominant, construction or the construct around what is sexual assault is really just um a male look lurking in the bushes preying on women walking by and forcing them with force when as and that's something else i want to talk about because this idea that rape or sexual assault is really only about physical force is so not true because the little miscommunications and minute moments where people are really considering, is this, am I okay with this? Is this sexual assault are just as valid um, and just as frequent. As, in fact, I feel like it's more frequent that somebody will be assaulted or raped by somebody that they actually know than somebody off the street. And obviously that's not to diminish, diminish or um, diminish or erase anybody's experience, but it is more of a problem. And I think that's also due to like the sexual scripts that we create for sex. And so often women are, um, are poised in like sexual arenas as, I don't know why I called it a sexual arena, but they are like sort of described as being like sort of helpless and more objectified, especially when you look at porn. It sort of very objectifies women and makes it seem like you have to take control of them, which especially when you think about how that's the main mode of sexual education for so many people, which is why I want to study it. Anyways, anyways, you think about how like, that really just makes it seem like these actions are okay and that like certain that women want certain things out of sex or that the person that you are engaging with sex with wants certain things because of what you have seen in porn or sexual media I really love the idea of like sexual scripts I just think it's so interesting or like just the idea of like scripts in general about how like like media creates 
sort of the basis of how people live their lives like and I think that's so interesting because if you think about it we I I a lot of the things that I do as an adult I either do because I see it on TV or because my parents did it and it's like how much of what we do or like what we have done is based off of what we've seen or we only do it because we've seen it on tv and assume and i think it's the assumption that tv is a generalization of our population when that could really not be the case that i honestly and it's scary because i honestly don't know i've lived a pretty sheltered life or not sheltered but like I've lived in a pretty homogenous area most of my life. I've only really lived in like Seattle and and I was the only two. I wasn't even conscious then, but I've only really lived in San Diego and San Francisco. And those are pretty homogenous when you think about mindsets. So I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so my idea of what is very general is very skewed. And I could relate to television, but I honestly don't know if that's the general gist of what an American family looks like. Or, or an interesting thought is, do we model our families because we think that's what an American family looks like? You know, like, did my parents do certain things because they believe that's what families did now? And that's such an interesting way to look at like society and life because it really could be that we are just doing certain things because certain media people thought that that's what people were doing. And now we're following the media people that didn't even really know what was happening. And so that's like why I really think scripts are like super interesting and something that I want to look into. And eventually I, I want to look at like racial scripts. I think that'd be so cool. Um, I don't know how long I've been doing this for, but I actually think that I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch some Reba and I might partake in a little smokage. Um, oh, this has been fun. I sort of liked this. I might also listen to this recording. I hope you enjoyed um, when I come back, I'm going to be talking about the end of this first chapter that I'm on, which is titled Sexual Assaults, and then I'm going to be probably talking about the beginning part of the next chapter, which is titled Under One Roof, and then maybe also be bringing in some of the other articles that I have been reading. I don't know quite yet how I want to structure this. And I think I want them to be more reflective and less chatty than what I was doing right now, but I just really wanted to test out this mic. Um, hopefully you can hear me and we're about to find out how clear this mic is. So um, thank you again for listening to me ramble about sex. I hope you have a good day and I'll talk to you later. Bye.